It's not always the big things that change the world. It's the small acts of kindness that happen repeatedly over a lifetime that make the world a better place. So every week we share a story of someone like you who is doing good in the world in their own way. Welcome to Doing Good with Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert, and today I have an awesome guest with me. We've actually been talking for an hour (laughs) before we started recording this. I always wish I record the pre-podcast because there's so many amazing things that we talk about and get to know you. So everything you said to me, you're going to have to just spill a bunch of the secrets and stuff on this too. (laughs) Yeah, This is the party, but the pre-party was awesome. And sometimes the after party is good too. The after party is super fun too. So too bad you guys know. Kevin is awesome and I'm excited to talk with him. So Kevin Clayson is on with me today. Kevin grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. How cool is that? Before serving his mission in Berlin, Germany. What was that like? Was that? That was awesome. Awesome. It was really hard, but it was awesome. <laughs> that, it, that I think that would be a very difficult miss- mission. Well, what was so hard about it? And I'll let you keep going. But everywhere that I served, I was only, I, this how this will age me, okay? I was in Berlin nine years after the wall came down. Because the wall <gasps> came down in 89. I went on my mission in 98 and, and was there for like the 10-year the anniversary of the wall coming down. And everywhere I served had been East Germany, which oh. had an entirely different life and entirely different. And when I was 20, I was like, that's so long ago. That was half my life. Yes. But now that I'm 42, I was like, that's a blink of an eye. Totally. <laughs> yeah, it's so like- tough. Oh my goodness. Well, that is amazing. I've always wanted to go to Germany. My dad's been there a few times and my grandpa and everything. And I just think that would be such an interesting country to visit, but that's probably a whole other podcast about your mission. We could talk (laughs) about that another time. Okay. Kevin, you went to BYU and graduated with a bachelor's in political science. And now you live in Orm, Utah, my in-laws hometown. That's where my husband grew up. What, what? What, what? He, yeah. Mountain View. It was the high school he went to. And you have a beautiful wife and three kids. Yes. So, Kevin, you are a popular youth, YSA, and fireside speaker and have delivered has delivered hundreds of talks to youth groups and Christian denominations, different nonprofits, schools, corporations all across North America over the last 12 years. So, very established speaker. Been doing this for a long time. But which, your book. Which, you know yes. what? Though? You would think that having spoke that many times that I'd be better at it. <laughs> you know, you would think. Why Everybody you says not a good speaker. I don't know if that's true because I am, you know, but wait, hey, we'll take it. <laughs> I, I'm sure you're amazing, but what have you, what, why do you think that you're not as good of a speaker as you obviously you know, are? It's if people so, want you and are asking you back, yeah. you're awesome. But is it just a thing where you're like, uh, I don't know why people even care. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's I just funny. It's, it's, I'm definitely my own breed, right? Yeah. And for a really long time, I was I felt so inadequate because I wasn't other speakers, right? Like yeah. I wasn't other people. Like, okay, look, hello, that we're here on Turtle House. Like, we've got Hank Smith and John, by the way, who are like for me, just like Legends. heroes of mine. Yes. And I've spoken at events with them. And I gotta tell you, this one time I spoke after Hank Smith. Like really, oh, like I would yes, do that, that to me. Hard. And the, the thing was, I get up there and I try to be more like Hank, okay? Yes. And I totally bomb. I got like the biggest round of courtesy claps. And it, that night, I'll tell you something though. That night was really important to me because it helped me realize a really critical lesson, which is we shouldn't do things 
for the applause or accolades of man, but we should be doing it to seek the quiet applause of heaven. And so since I've understood that, it's been been a lot better, but I always joke, you know, well, look, you are this magnificent singer. My guess is every time you sing a solo, you you afterwards, you're like, you know what? I could probably be better. Is it, do you feel Yes, I do. It's the same thing for me. But that is more for PTSD from American Idol with hearing, that was awful. That was so bad. And me being like, it was, you're right. So I just, I just now have Simon in my head. Yeah, that's right. Forever. So that was for sure. But no, I get it. And it, it is hard when to compare yourself to others and be like, I should be singing like Kelly Reed and I should be singing like Jenny Jordan Frotley. And you know what I mean? With Jenny right. Jordan now, but like my singers that like the Utah singers that were like, Oh, she is amazing. Growing up that I'm like, Oh my gosh, you are incredible. And I have had to realize too, like, no, I'm my own person. I'm my own voice. I have my own voice. You have your own speaking style. And it is hard when you're all on the stage at the same time when you compare yourself. But but we're made different for a reason. And so people need Kevin just like they need Hank. (laughs) They need Kevin. So, okay, Kevin, you wrote this book. It's called Flip the Gratitude Switch. And it sold thousands of copies, including two dozen in, in selling in two dozen countries across the globe, which is, that is incredible to be, have your book translated in different languages. And, but and the real, so, but the real reason it, so it's actually only in English. It hasn't been translated, but. Oh, it hasn't. No, people oh, just my buy it in English. But I think what's happened is my mom or, or maybe my in-laws have secretly traveled the world and purchased it while in other countries. So I think like, that must in be it. Israel. Yeah. It, in <laughs> it's in <laughs> France, that would be something that a good mom would do. Yes, that's right. So Kevin, you have a real estate investment company that has assisted clients to invest successfully in more than, wow, half a billion dollars of real estate over the last 14 years. That's amazing. And you host the top rated Replace Your Income podcast. Shoot, I should probably talk to you about financial <laughs> things. Like well, listen, there's a great podcast called Replace uh, Your Income uh, that you can listen to. Are you like David Ramsey type, Dave Ramsey type no. stuff? No. No. Okay. It, so, you know, what we do is we help people invest in real estate all over the country where we do the vast majority of the work so they don't have to. That's that's really what our specialty is. So you know that my father-in-law, Governor Herbert, was a realtor for years and years, Herbert and Associates in Orem. Yeah, and his dad was extremely successful. He took over the business in the 80s when it Uh went way downhill. And so that was really hard. And then, you know, started thinking about politics and did county commissioner for ever. And then Lieutenant governor, now governor, but real estate was what his jam. That's what my husband wanted to go that's into. Awesome. And my husband thought about it for a while, but he's like, Oh, real estate, man, especially now in Utah. Can you even oh, yeah, it's crazy. believe what's happening? It's well, our good friend, Mark, he does real estate here in Utah. I know that it's crazy. Yeah. So that's why the mo- most of what we do is we have teams on the ground in States throughout the country. So we get clients from all over that say, I want to take part of my retirement and invest it in real estate, but I don't know how to do that. And Utah or whatever state they live in, it's expensive, yeah. California, New York. So we have teams on the ground that find them the property, get it all fixed up, get it rented out, get it financed, get it insured. And then we manage it for them forever. And, uh, and that's kind of what we do. So that's it's a total like, all in one place. Oh, that is so situation. cool. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. We'll talk after I'm going to get through your bio. I promise. <laughs> no, you're good. Okay. Kevin's list of accomplishments. Okay. Also includes running 
and completing four full marathons. Ooh, let's talk about this too. I only do halves. I could never do a full. Splitting a pair of suit pants on two separate occasions, both while dancing in front of large audiences. Were there youth? Please tell me youth. Uh, no, th- thankfully it was adults uh, oh, both okay. time. Because, you know, adults are already jaded enough that it's hard. It's harder to scar them. If yes. it was youth, like you can't unsee that. You no, know what I mean? Can't. But yeah. it would be so hilarious to see like your leader swim <laughs> And run up dancing. Okay, that's pretty awesome, though. Um, and you hold the title of best dancer in your family, at least according to Nintendo Switch. Just dance. That's awesome. You are you love soccer, basketball, baseball. Coach all that for your kids. Have coached it for your kids. And right now, you, you told me you are currently serving as the Elders Corn President in your ward, which is a big responsibility, big yeah. job, um, and, and very busy. <laughs> so Kevin, awesome, just all around awesome guy. I'm so glad you came on doing good. And in particular, I would love to talk about your book, The Flip the Gratitude Switch. So you graduate in political science um, and have life experience, you know, living outside of the country in Germany. What What was the catalyst to writing The Flip the Gratitude Switch book? Oh, that's a great question. It's really that I was like the least thankful person that ever existed is okay. probably what it is. Awesome. Because no, legit. So, all right. I, I graduated in political science. I think that I'm going to go be a lawyer. The Lord clearly steers me away from that. And I don't really know what to do with my life. I kind of stumble into like some finance stuff, which leads to me starting this company with my partners like 15, almost 15 years ago. Awesome. And we had grown this company And we were, I mean, this was like, we were probably, I don't know, five, six years in at the point that I really started to realize how much my life needed to shift. Because here's what I always wanted as a kid. I always wanted to be on planes and I wanted to travel the country and speak. And I, for a long time, I thought that maybe I'd be a motivational speaker, but I did a ton of speaking for our company and I was on planes all the time. Okay. So on paper, like everything was awesome. I had this amazing wife and these beautiful kids and I had a house that I loved and I had this job that was cool. And I was a business owner and I was speaking everything on paper should have been awesome. Yes. What I was missing. And this is coming from somebody who is a very firm believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ and that there is a plan of happiness and that it exists and that we are, that we might have joy. And even with all of that as the backdrop, Carmen, I would wake up every day frustrated, angry, and fully lacking joy. And and I I just, I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand it. It was such a frustrating thing for me. And here's where it came to a head. We had just had our second kid. Um, he's, he's almost 10 now. And, uh, and so Braxton, he spent the first two weeks of his life in the NICU. He had some lung problems and oh, that's so hard. was on a ventilator and you know, oh. it was tough. Right. And, yes. um, but what happened as a result of that is when we got Braxton home, if he would peep at all in the middle of the night, we were like up and out of bed and dashing down the hall to like, is he okay? Cause we were so worried about his like ability to breathe or whatever. Yes. And what we did is we totally trained this kid that if you want mom and dad, like for any reason at all, in the middle of the night, just make like the tiniest little sound and I'll scene down the hall to rescue, right? Yeah. So yeah, this kid didn't sleep through the night for like the first year, okay? And, And what happened is I would go and travel 
and I'd be gone for a couple days sleeping in hotels. My amazing wife would be back here in Orem watching over the kiddos, waking up at, at night to do all the feedings for Braxton. And then I'd come home and then I wanted to be like a good husband. So I'd be like, honey, you go ahead and sleep. But really, I'm just like, oh, I hope he doesn't wake up. Well, there were times when he would wake up in the middle of the night and I was exhausted and I felt kind of entitled. Like I worked so hard for our family. Like, I mean, I don't want to get up in the middle of the night, but then the other part of me is like, but my wife's been doing it this entire time. And there were legit times when I would be holding my baby boy, giving him a bottle. And I was like mad at him. And that's a tough thing to feel as a dad. Like I should, I love him, but I'm mad that he's awake and wants food. Like it was, and that what would happen is I'd wake up the next day tired from up all night with him. And then I'd go to work and I'd be frustrated that the company wasn't doing better. I'd be frustrated that we weren't generating more revenue. I'd be frustrated with one of our hires that wasn't doing what he should or whatever. And it was just like this cycle of frustration. Oh, I've been there. Yes. You kind of know how that goes, right? And it feels like, how am I going to get out of this? Yes. One day I'm sitting in my car After a tough night, I'm looking at the office that I'm supposed to go into and start my day's work. And I just had this feeling like fight or flight kind of instinct. And I was like, I just want to go. I just want to leave. I just want to get out of here. I don't want to do any of this anymore. I don't know what it is. You know, for me, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a thought of ending my own life. You know, there's so many folks get to that point and that, that is, that's a thought that they have. I'm glad that that wasn't a thought for me, but it was also just one where I just wanted it all to be different. And um, I was arguing with the reality that I had. And if you know anything about reality, arguing with reality, you will lose that battle 100% of the time, right? Every time, every Every time. time. And so I'm sitting there in my car and I'm feeling like I just want out. And the Lord does this remarkable thing. He, it, for me, it was kind of a rock bottom, Carmen, because I had never felt like I just wanted to be done, right? Yeah. I always had a little bit more in the tank. My tank was on empty this day. And in that moment for me of despair, frustration, difficulty, complete lack of joy, the Lord gives me one word in my brain, one that I had never considered, one that I did not know how it would pull me out of that tailspin. But nonetheless, there it was. And he whispered, gratitude. And I'm like, what? Seriously? Okay. Heavenly father, like what, how am I supposed to be thankful for all of this? Right. I just got through the laundry list in my brain of all the things that are really crappy and that I don't enjoy. And now you want me to be thankful. Are you kidding me? Right. Carmen, I knew that that's what the Lord wanted me to do. And so I went on a journey to try to figure out, is it possible to be thankful in your darkest moments. And I'm here to tell you and bear you my testimony that it 100% is. And not only is it, it will shift the entire trajectory of your eternal progression if you can figure out how to do it. Oh, and that was my next question for you. How? How do you go from having the thought to be grateful to actually practicing it in those really dark, hard moments? Yeah, so it's kind of interesting because the Lord gives us a lot of examples in the scriptures that it's possible, but sometimes we don't, we don't always notice it. Right. Right. A really good example is like Nephi. Okay. So after they get through the wilderness, right. Yes. He writes multiple scriptures like, Oh, we waited through much affliction and it was so bad. And in fact, it was so bad that I can't even write how bad it was because it was that bad. But every time Nephi 
acknowledges how difficult it was, he follows it up immediately with a different positive statement. And he goes, oh, it was so bad, so bad that I can't even write about it. But nonetheless, and then he talks about how blessed they were. But nonetheless. But you you juxtapose that with, with Layman and Lemuel, and they're like, Nephi. I, by the way, for some reason, whenever it's I- the living read, scripture voice. Yes, every time. I'm like, Nephi. Like Nephi. Every it, it, that will forever be how Layman and Lemuel, Lemuel in particular, because that's how yes. he sounds in yeah. my mind. Exactly. Yes. It, yep. So in my mind, that's totally because in, I think it's first Nephi 16. And that's what, you know, Laman and Lemuel are like, if it hadn't have been for you, you know, we could have been happy. And, yes. and they, they, it would have been better that our women had died rather than go through all this affliction. And, yes. and but so interesting, Carmen, that Nephi and Laman and Lemuel, they had the exact same path. They yep. went through the same afflictions. But Nephi says... But how blessed were we? And and Laman and Lemuel are like, if it hadn't been for you and all this, we could have been happy. Yes. And so we see it there. We see it with Alma. When he starts to proclaim, oh, that I were an angel, he's dissatisfied that he's not. But then guess what he does? He goes through a process. In fact, the whole flip formula, and that's really what I utilize, is something called the flip formula. It goes along with F-L-I-P of how you move within just a few seconds. It's a mental practice that that has spiritual consequences meaning positive outcomes that happen spiritually and physically we are hardwired and biologically designed and chemically designed to utilize this but then we are also spiritually designed for this to work and you even see it with with alma when he oh that i were an angel and he's like but i'm not and then he goes through and he starts to think about the things that are actually going well and then by the end of the chapter he's like everything's amazing and and really that is kind of the process. And here's the other thing. One of my favorite scriptures, DNC 78, 19, I think says, and he who receives all things with thankfulness shall be made glorious. And it goes on and it says, and the things of this world shall be added unto him and hundredfold, yea, more. Now, what's interesting about that scripture is receives all all things with all things not just the good stuff like all of the things right another final scripture example i think of all the time father lehi he's like hey, hey check it out men are that they might have joy it's gonna be awesome but then he also in the same chapter he he's like um but also like there must needs be affliction in all things so from the jump carmen we've known we are designed to have joy but there is going to be affliction. So see, these are not competing ideals and principles. The Lord's outlined it from the get-go that you will have trials, tribulations, hardships, and afflictions, but you are designed to have joy. And then he tells us, if you receive all the hard things with thankfulness, you'll be made glorious. Like you'll become someone new, made glorious, maybe be made more celestial. So what is it that gets us from here to there? It's this little practice of flip the gratitude switch. And if you want, I'll take you through the acronym FLIP and like show you how it like really yes, what you do. Please. Okay. <laughs> so teach so, me. Th so this is kind of where it comes from. So I'm I'm in this process of going through figuring out gratitude, and I go and read tons of books and tons of research, and they're all saying the same thing. You should be thankful. Like it's 
so good to have a gratitude journal. Like yes. you should totally do it. <laughs> and, or it's like, it's like, just have a gratitude jar and like put a fuzzy in. Or it's like, go on gratitude walks. Like what, I'm going to touch the tree <laughs> and say, I love you tree. Like none of that was going to work for me. Okay. Right. You're I'm like, far no. too practical. I'm not going on a gratitude walk and like going to lightly caress a tree and feel gratitude. It's yes. not going to happen for me. And so I didn't know what to do. And I, I just started to experiment. The, the linchpin was I'd written something in my journal that I heard from a speaker a long time ago. And he made a suggestion about gratitude journals, but not just keep a gratitude journal. He said, keep a journal about the frustrations that you have. And then the things you can be thankful for about those frustrations. And that was, that was like a, a lever, a lever lever. Uh, yep. It was a turning point. Tomato tomato. Yep. Lever yep. Or lever, which yep. is it? It's a lever. Is it? Okay. And is uh-huh. it data or data? I never know. I don't know. I I say both. <laughs> yeah. Data, data, you. just whatever I'm in the mood for. <laughs> Thank you. We'll I'm say lever you. today. <laughs> okay. So it was like this, it was this pivotal thing for me. And I went, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, cool. So was that's a that's a thing I can do. So what I would do is as soon as something frustrating would happen. Like I wouldn't just let it kind of like meander on into my soul that I just, am, it's just festering for me to yeah. get mad about something later that day. I would isolate it instantly. And I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, uh, I noticed that I'm feeling frustrated about that thing. What could I possibly be thankful for about that thing in this moment? And then I would just come up with a little list in my brain. And you know what would happen is it was like this this switch got flipped inside of me and I started to call it flipping my gratitude switch. And to me, it was the equivalent of, you know, if you went into a dark room that you've never been in before and there's like tables and chairs all over the place. And if it's my home, you know, pieces of Lego on the floor, which are treacherous. They're the worst. Especially here in bare feet. To step on for sure. Yeah. So if you walked into a dark room, you've never been in there. You don't know the layout of the room, but you're supposed to successfully navigate from one side of the room to the other without harm, without incident, that'd be pretty tough to do, right? Yeah. But with a simple flip of a switch and you turn the light on in the room, here's what's interesting. The layout of the room doesn't change. Right. But your ability to navigate it does. Yes. Ooh, I and, love that. And flipping the gratitude switch does that. It doesn't change the frustration. It doesn't change that things aren't going well. They are not going well. You're frustrated. But what it does is it illuminates your ability to be able to navigate it in a way that can change everything so that success in that navigation process can be present for you, for your loved ones. And then that process transforms you. Yes. So flipping of the gratitude switch starts with F. Yes. F is this. When you're frustrated, I call it find the frustration. Okay. So you literally locate why you're frustrated. Yes. Okay? So here's an example that I love to use. I used to wake up all the time in the morning and for some reason, for like 10 years of my life, I could not successfully navigate around my bed in the dark. Okay. Like yes. I would stub my toe all the time. So often. And I don't know if you've ever stubbed a toe. Most people have, which is why this is a silly little but good example to kind of describe this. Because what works on toe stubbing also works on the big stuff, like okay. job loss and foreclosure, which I also ha- know a little bit, of, and divorce, which I know uh, about all of that firsthand, right? So it works on all of it. Okay, so I stub my toe, 
And it used to be that I'd stub my toe, I'd get angry. I like turn into the Incredible Hulk. And then I'd like walk, I'm stubbling or hobbling around my bed. And I'd go get in the bathroom to like get ready for the day. And and like we used to have renters that lived in our basement. They would have used all the hot water. So I'm trying to take a shower, but there's no hot water left. And so now I'm really angry. And then I'd get out of the shower and I'd look in the mirror and I noticed some additional wrinkles or gray hair or that my hairline was even more receding than it was. And so I'm up five minutes. I'm in pain. I'm cold. I'm bald. And I'm old. And it's like... <laughs> I woke up, right? Like, you ever had days like that? All the time, all the time. And and but mine is mine is same thing. Like you wake up and and you your toe, but your kids are fighting, and then someone spilled something, and you're cleaning it up. And as you're cleaning it up, your dog comes in, and and she has brought something in from outside, and it's dirty. And then oh, I forgot my homework assignment is due, and whatever. And you look in the mirror, and I'm like, I have a new pimple, and yeah. I have a new wrinkle, and look at you, and I I I'm like I should not have eaten that bowl of cereal last night because for sure I would been wanting to lose these last ten pounds, but no, the cereal was more important. And ew, look at me. 100%. And then, and then I'm like, this is a worst day of my life. Yes. My, my little six-year-old says that all the time. Worst day of my life. I'm like, where do you get that? I'm like, oh, you probably hear mom say it's the worst day of my life. And it is. And then you wake up and you're all, I'm, I'm mad. I am yes. mad. And it's 9am. Yes, exactly. So this was me every day, right? Yes. And that is not a good way to start your day because no. here's where this is the problem guys. When you start your day that way, what happens when that little child who you love more than anything or your spouse who you love more than anything says just barely the wrong thing or maybe it's your kids coming to hug you and you're so angry that you're just like just Lash give them like a out. lackluster hug because you got to get to your next thing yes and you take it out on them it can totally affect real life it's true yeah right? it's very true and so for me as I started to realize that I can find an isolated frustration, here's the new process. I stub my toe. And then instead of just being angry and rolling on to all the anger filled things of the day, I go, whoa, 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 hold on. Wait a second. Hold up. My toe hurts. You find yes. the frustration by asking yourself this. Why am I frustrated? Because my toe hurts. Because my toe hurts. And that's just it, right? Then you answer the question. Now, that's actually a cognitive process. There's a real neurological cognitive reason why you do this. One of my favorite guys is a guy by the name of Dr. Paul Jenkins. He's called the Positivity Psychologist. You ought to check out his YouTube channel for all kinds of parenting and mental health tips. It's called Live on Purpose TV. He's absolutely amazing. And he uses our book in this formula as he treats patients um, because he noted he has said to me that many times we don't become aware of the things that, that are causing us to feel the way we do. We just assume that is life as it is. Yes. You go, hold on. Why am I frustrated? That simple question. See, our brains kind of work like a train, Carmen, and you know this, right. but they're chugging along a track. And if the track is anger, frustration, everything is terrible, and you know I'm ugly, then guess what? You're going to feel ugly, and you're going to feel like everything is terrible because your brain is tuned into that station. Yes. But when you ask yourself, why am I frustrated? You're slowing the momentum of the train. And then you, you answer That's the so question, why am I frustrated? I'm frustrated because I stubbed my toe. Okay, now you know the enemy. And now you can do work on the thing that's frustrating you instead of just rolling on. And so from F, find the frustration. You ask, why am I frustrated? You answer the question. You move on to L. And L is where you look for what's awesome. Okay. So now I'm, let me you know. Let me so ask, like, as you're talking, I'm all <laughs> taking notes because you're writing. Okay. So, yep. So find let the me frustration, ask you, 
Okay. Yes. yes. Find the frustration and then you look, look for what's awesome. For what's awesome. Okay. What could be awesome about you stubbing your toe if you're in my scenario? What would be awesome? Maybe the opportunity to take a break and take a breather. Maybe. Give me another one. Maybe you're grateful that it wasn't, you didn't break your toe. Oh, good. I like no. that. So, Give me like, one or two more. It just hurt. Maybe you are, let's see, step a toe, being grateful. Look for the awesome. It could be that your kid has been trying to get your attention all morning and you're too busy and then you stub your toe. And so now you're actually quiet to listen to what they're saying. Oh, and so I like that. Answer like, okay, hang on. Let me talk to you. I love, okay. <laughs> I stub my toe. So, I don't know. Are those, okay? are those good? Yeah. Those are good. And here's the thing. I totally put you on the spot and didn't warn you because when I go and I share this with audiences, I do the same thing, right? I get to the look for what's awesome. Yeah. And then I always ask, I love it when it's like high school students, right? It's like an auditorium of like a thousand kids. And I'm like, what could possibly be awesome? And yeah. they have each other to rely on. You just nailed it by yourself. But it's always quiet, right? Just like it was yes. with you. It's like, okay, wait, wait, wait hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, okay, what? Yes. What could be awesome. Mm -hmm. But then you thought of a thing and then you notice you were looking, I, I'm looking at you as we're recording this. You're looking up and you're literally cognitively and in your brain trying to think of things that are awesome. You didn't yes. just slow the roll of your train. You switched the train track and you started to pick up speed along another track, but it takes a moment. Interesting. Oh, that's really interesting. And what's crazy, Carmen, is when we do this with adults and kids, it doesn't matter. It, the same thing happens. What happened with you? It's like, I'm not really sure. And then one hand pops up and then it's still quiet for a second. Then another hand, then a couple more hands. And the, and I always tell them, look, we just conducted a live neurological science experiment, right? In that if you give your brain a new suggestion, it will look to fill that suggestion, which is exactly why when you pause and say, why am I frustrated? And then you answer the question, your answering of the question is satisfying your brain's desire to find an answer. But then you give your brain a new suggestion. Let me look for what's awesome. Now, when you look for what's awesome, you've given your brain the chance to start to look for other things. And here's a lot of the responses we get. Uh, you have a toe? Yeah, I have, you a, have toe. a toe. That's a good one. See, you have a toe. I, 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 I have feeling in my toe. Yes, I've had friends that are quadriplegics. They don't have that that the ability to feel their toe. Somebody, yes, say, you didn't break it. You're like, yeah. And like you said too, right? You, you didn't break it. There's one. And then my brain would always go like this. Okay, I've got a toe. What could be awesome? I got a toe. I didn't break it. I could feel my toe. And then I would start to think like, I'm standing. I can stand it. And then I think, wait, what did I stub it on? I stubbed it on my bed. And I'd be like, I have a bed to sleep. And I'd look over and my wife is there. Oh my gosh. I have this amazing angel that sleeps beside me. And then that would make me think of my kids. Oh, I've got these amazing kids. We're in this home. I've got a home, a roof. And all of a sudden now that same exact frustration, it didn't change. The frustration still happened. We don't have to eliminate it. We don't have to decide that, that things are just always awesome. Things are okay to be bad. It's okay to sit in it for a second. Yeah. But then you go through this process to say, find the frustration, look for what's awesome. And your brain starts to go along this new track, chugging along a new track and it begins to pick up momentum. That is like, I, I'm like trying to like frantically write and take notes for <laughs> writing, but it's amazing that, that, that that's possible, that it's not just about, because really like is there something good about the fact that you're in pain or stubbing your toe, but it's just switching the track to find a, the situation that things are positive about the situation and about your life. That's not just about, you know, the toe. 
That's right. There's something awesome. There's a kernel of awesome embedded in the, the seed of frustration, right? Yes. It's there. But sometimes we have to look for it. So you go find the frustration, look for what's awesome. Then you move to I. I, yes. in the book, I wrote initiate gratitude, but I've since come to realize I need to rewrite it and call install. I need to call it install gratitude because this is like when I think about it from like a phone standpoint, like everybody has a smartphone, right? Yes. If you want to like play a billion levels of Candy Crush, like, and it's not on your phone, like you go to the app store, right? And then you find the thing you want to download. And then on Apple for a long time, you'd hit install. Now I think it says get app or whatever, but you'd hit install. And then all of a sudden, magically, something that just a second ago was not tangible on your phone, it like magics its way through internet land onto this physical phone. And you have like a billion levels of Candy Crush that you can play. Yes. But what's interesting about that is the practice of that turns something that was non-tangible into something that was tangible. So then the question becomes, what's the app store of life? Yes. How do we take an idea that's not tangible and turn it into something tangible that has a real world impact? Well, I'm a big believer that it's language. Oh, it's interesting. Words, right? Think about this. Yeah. If I look in the mirror every day, and I say, you're old and you're ugly. I'm going to go through the whole day, which I used to not say the old part, but I'd say the ugly part in high school. Like any, any of our friends out there in high school, you maybe know how that feels. I used to have really bad acne. I'd look at myself and I'd be like, you're ugly. No girl's ever going to want you. And you know what would show up in life? Like I'd have acne. I'd feel ugly. And like no girls ever really wanted to date me, right? Thankfully, I grew up and I was able to trick my wife into thinking that I was worth marrying. But it, it, was a re it became my reality when I would say that. Yes. Yes. But the positive, you know, I mean, Carmen, I can't imagine what you must have gone through the mental process in order to not just audition and make it onto American Idol, but then to actually be on the show. I mean, a spot that millions of people would die to be on. And there you were. I imagine there was a lot of positive, intentional thought that took yes. place. Am I wrong? For sure. No, not at all. In fact, my mom always, always, always would say to me, you have to visualize, visualize what you want, visualize and speak positively about yourself. And honestly, truly, I was not one of the best singers on the show, but I believed I was. And so I would be like, the judges love me. Right. I am amazing. They want me to go far, blah, blah, blah. I made it out of 72,000 kids. 72,000 kids. I was in the top six. Unreal. But what happened was when I got on the show after the auditions, after I made it and I'd been told you're great, we love you, blah, blah, blah. Once I was on TV and I started hearing, no, you don't, you suck. You're bad. You're awful. Blah, blah, blah. That is when I would start to be like, I do suck. My voice isn't good. And then I would physically start singing like a bad singer. Yeah. If I can't to this day, I actually can't, cannot watch my songs on American Idol really? because I have never sung like that before. And I've never sung like that since it's a different voice. It's a different girl. I still am so proud of how far I, I, I made it. I'm still proud. I can be proud now, but it took me years. I'm 36. It took me years to be able to be like, I am proud of that because I physically made myself start singing differently because I believe the words. And then I started telling myself, you are, I'm so bad. I'm such a bad singer. Why am I even on this? Why did I even make it? And then I was voted off. And so I completely agree with that. What you say, my mom would always say, 
as a man thinketh, so is he. She would say that to me all the time. And then she also would say, I am what I think you think I am. Mm. So, you know, with your kids, she's like, don't be like, you're so lazy. But I'm really lazy. If you want your kids to be productive, be like, you are, even if they're not. You yes. are, look at you. You're so independent. You get up every morning and you set your alarm. And I'm like, that's so dumb though. They know what you're doing. She's like, I know it seems dumb. And I know it seems like they can, they know that you're trying to get them to change and whatever. She said, but something actually does change in your brain when you start feeding them a different narrative about who they think they are and who you think you are. And you'd be like, oh, look at my clear skin. Look, and I had really bad acne, by the way, growing up too. Terrible, really bad. And I used to just imagine, what would it be like to have, and so I used to be like, I I used to imagine people saying, you have the most beautiful, clear skin. Look how beautiful and clear, because no one has ever, I was called pimple cheeks in junior high. Like it was really bad. And I was so I would imagine beard. It. I was pimple beard. You were pimple, you were pimple cheeks. Beard? I, was pimple I got beard. called pimple beard. Yeah. Pimple beard, pimple cheeks. That was me. <laughs> and so I would imagine it. And then I, it started clearing up. It started getting better. I, 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 I went on Accutane. I did all the stuff to get it to be clear. And then I started to be like, I have clear skin. I have really clear skin. Everyone loves my clear skin. And I, w- I did a show and I walked off stage and this guy's like, you have the most beautiful skin. It's like peaches and cream. And I'm all, Hello. I imagine someone say-. And then it was like a thing like, oh, Carmen's skin is so pretty. Carmen's skin is so perfect. You've never had them all. You guys, I've had the worst problems with my skin more than anyone probably here ever has. But I started saying I didn't. And so, yes, then I made the steps to help clear it up and do that. But, but it has stayed that way because of, I don't know, the power of positive thinking. And, and Kevin, I want to like talk with you. I could talk with you for like another hour. So what I'm wondering is, can we like do a part one, part two? So the FL, like part one episode, and then I want to do like another whole episode and do the IP. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. Cause now we've teased what I, know. I is and we're going to really, we'll double down we'll and drop dive it out down in into the two. Yes. I would I love, love to do that because I think that gratitude is, I mean, for me, not only for teenagers and for, but for, for me as an adult and as a mom, and I felt those same feelings. Like when you were saying about being angry, you're rocking your kid to sleep and those same things like go to bed. Why are you? And it's this innocent baby. Like they're hungry. Like they can't help it that their, their tummy hurts. So they have to go potty. And, but you, you look at them like you are making me not sleep. You are making me angry. You are making my day awful. And you, you're blaming it on this in, innocent child. And I felt, I really felt that when you were saying that, like, I, I know that emotion of a tired, exhausted at their limits parent who's like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Yep. And so if this, this seems like it's just could be a complete life changer for people who are at their wits end to live such a happier, better life that we are intended to live. And to have a formula to do it right in the middle of the tough stuff. Yes. And that's when we when we do part two, we'll wrap it up and we'll really we'll 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 say, look, here is how it all comes together. And look, there are spiritual examples of this. I've got a testimony of this. There yes. is neurological things that this is a very real process. And awesome. and and just I'll, I'll, we'll tease this last thought. If yep. what we're talking about, Carmen, wasn't real. Why in the middle of life's of the world's darkest hours did President Nelson share a message with the world on the healing power of gratitude? 
I bear you my testimony. It is not by accident. This is a real, true, eternal game changer. And I can't wait to finish the conversation about it. Oh, I can't either, Kevin. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today for all the good you are doing. And I can't wait to pick right back up and talk about truly the amazing healing power of gratitude. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Doing Good with Carmen Herbert, available exclusively inside Our Turtle House. At Our Turtle House, there's something for the whole family. From full-leg talks that you can't get anywhere else from some of your favorite speakers, to fun family home evening lesson plans that follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. There's even short daily devotionals made specifically for your teens. Plus, you can get two months free when you sign up for an annual plan. Just go to OurTurtleHouse.com to get started. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here for another episode of Doing Good next week.